Good morning, everybody. My name is Sam. I'm the high school and college pastor here at Friendship. It is so glad, I'm so glad to see all of you here. And happy Father's Day. Uh, this is a very special Father's Day for me. My wife and I are 24 weeks pregnant with our first. So, and I have to toot my own horn, but I'm doing a pretty good job of being a father so far. So, I can see. Yeah. Uh, and. For our family, even more so, my brother uh, just had uh, his first a uh, couple weeks ago, uh, about, a month, about a month ago now. And so uh, for our family, this is a very special uh, first Father's Day for both of us. So uh, now jumping into uh, our sermon, I suppose, we are in a series called Tools for Wisdom. And we're going through the book of Proverbs. And we're looking at uh, how the book has so much wisdom for us in so many areas. And today, I want to take the topic of friendship. So we're going to dive in and look at a lot of different Proverbs and how it can lead us to more and more wisdom with our friends. But before I do, I want to do something a little bit interactive, if that's all right. Um, I'd love to you to, for you to turn to somebody next to you or near you and talk to them about these two questions. First, who is your best friend and what's one thing that makes them a good friend? What's one thing about them that makes them a good friend? And if you don't know the person next to you, this is a great opportunity to get to know somebody. probably my best friend, and if you say that's cheating, okay, um, then I would have to say, uh, if it's not my wife, my brother Eli is probably my best friend, um, especially over the last few years, we've really um, gotten to spend a lot of time together, and so Eli's probably my best friend, but I want to share with you guys a couple of my childhood best friends, and so I have some pictures, um, so on the top of the screen is my friend Jonathan. Now, Jonathan is a guy who uh, I met in eighth grade, and him and his brother Joel, me, Jonathan, Joel, and my brother Eli, we spent a ton of time together. We were always over at their house, and um, it was like they, they lived right down the street from the church. So literally, like, we'd come Sunday morning, and then we'd walk to their house. They had pools, so we'd swim, or play Halo, or football, or whatever. Um, and so spent a ton of time with Jonathan and his family. Um, and then on the bottom is Josh. Josh has been my, one of my best friends since first grade. Um, I also met him at church. I met him in Sunday school. Um, and, and some of you know my story. I was a very anxious kid. And so I sat in the back because it was away from the majority of people. So I sat in the far back because I was anxious. Josh sat in the back because he was a troublemaker. And so uh, the two of us were in the back, and I got to know Josh, and we became uh, best friends and to this day, I'm still friends with both of these guys. On the right, you can see they both were groomsmen in my wedding. They were the only two guys who weren't my brothers who were groomsmen um, in my wedding. And so uh, I also want to put these pictures up because, I mean, check out my, uh, in the top left corner, that's me, senior year of high school. Check out that hair, isn't that great? I should bring it back, right? I should bring it back for sure. I know Kenny's jealous. I know Kenny's looking at that and he's super jealous of that. For sure. And so, 
I can shave. I can. No, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Right. So, these are my best friends, and to this day, they're good friends. And, and not just because uh, they're guys who I can laugh with and have fun with and do crazy adventures with, but they love the Lord. Uh, both of them were in my discussion group uh, in high school and, and middle school, for that matter. Uh, and so, guys who grew up with me in the faith, and I know that they're guys that I've been that will pray for me and, and they love me well. And so uh, those are a couple of my friends that you probably haven't met. But um, with that, this is kind of the main point of uh, our morning today, and that's Proverbs 12, 26. The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Now, when I read this verse, I think that there's two ways to read it, and, and I think both work. One is that if you're righteous, you will choose your friends carefully. That a righteous person will carefully choose their friends. But I also think it works that those who choose their friends carefully will grow in righteousness. Um, and so that is kind of where I want to go this morning. I want to look at, okay, what is God's word, particularly Proverbs? What does God's word have to tell us about our friendships? And I think it starts with carefully choosing them uh, for a purpose. And so with that, what's the purpose of friends? I think that if we go back into our elementary age, this is a question we all asked, right? We sat there and we said, okay, I really want to take this friendship thing seriously. What's the purpose of friendship? And I really, you really developed that and you, you kind of created this whole list of criteria that you made and you made, you walked around with people and you're like, no, didn't make the cut. And right, and this is how we all be friends, right? Okay, no, right? Most of us, we just, sat in the back of class and met a kid and became my best friend, right? Like, that's how many of us, we just kind of happened into a lot of friendships. However, I think that it matters to understand the purpose of friends because those that we spend the most time with, those that we're going to engage with the most, it matters how we're intentional with people. And so I want to add, answer this question by looking into the book of Proverbs at a few different passages. So, um... They're going to be on the screen. If you want to follow along in, in, in your Bible, I'd encourage you to do so, although you're going to be flipping around. So um, it'll also be up on the screen or on your tablet or device. You can do that too if you're all tech savvy and things like that. So Proverbs 17, 17. Uh, first thing when I think about the, the purpose of, what God's purpose for us in friendship. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. So... A friend is somebody who walks through life with you, who's going to love you well, and be there in a time of adversity. Now, another reason why I wanted to put a picture of Josh and Jonathan on the screen earlier is because when I think of them, this is one of the first verses that comes to my mind. When I was 21, uh, some of you know this about my story, but when I was 21, I was engaged to be married. And... Long story short, uh, because of time, I won't go through all the details this morning, but long story short is, uh, a week before the wedding, I called off the wedding. Um, and it was not what I wanted to do, but it's what I knew I needed to do. Um, in that moment, it, it wasn't right, it wasn't what we should be doing, so I called it off. Now, if any of you have ever called off a wedding, uh, you will know that there's a lot of phone calls you have to make after you cancel a wedding. You gotta cancel all the venues and food and all the things. But one of the first phone calls I made was to my groomsmen. And so I called Josh. And I said, hey man, uh, the 
wedding song. And he said, tell me your joke. And I said, no, I'm not. And he said, okay, I'm coming over. And he hung up. Didn't even give me a chance to say, no, 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 that's okay. He just hung up, and he was on his way. So then I called Jonathan, and I said, hey, ah, the wedding's off. And he told me, you're so sorry to hear that. Can I please come over? And I was like, well, Josh is already on his way. So, yeah, come on over. And so, let me tell you this. When somebody is hours from calling off the wedding, there's not a lot to say. There's not a lot you can do. But they were there for me. And in that moment, I realized the quality of friends that I had. Because they were, they just sat with me. They prayed for me. They're like, can you do anything? What anything? Do you need anything? Food? Like, whatever. Just make, help you make the phone call. I mean, they were just, they were just there. That mattered more than any words that they said or thing that they did. It mattered that they were there for me, that they cared for me. And I, I can think back, I can tell you story after story of dumb things we did or funny things that happened. But the first thing I think about with Josh and Jonathan is that moment. And I think that we need friends who are born for a time of adversity. Because we all experience adversity. We all go through seasons and times and difficult trials. And so we need people. God has given us friends for that purpose. Let's keep going. Proverbs uh, 16, or, sorry, 18, 24. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now, I can keep telling you stories about Josh and Jonathan, but I, I, for this one, I thought of um, two people in the Bible, uh, Paul and Barnabas. Now, for many of us, if you've read through Acts and if you know the story of Paul and Barnabas, many of us think about the end of their friendship where they decided to part ways and to do uh, missionary journeys on their own. Uh, but I want to think about the very beginning when Paul, who was a man who was, at the time, persecuting Christians actively against the church. He's murdering people, or at least he is giving the thumbs up that that's happening to Christians. And then Paul, as he's on a journey to go and persecute more Christians, Jesus meets him on the road and he changes his life. And Paul wants to share the gospel. He wants to lead people to Christ, just like he has been. But the problem is that a lot of Christians don't trust him, which makes a whole lot of sense. They don't trust that this change in his life is real. That, that Paul's actually for them now and for Christ. But Barnabas is one of the few who does. Barnabas gets to know Paul, and he hears Paul's message, and he says, no, this, this guy's for real. And he has his back, and he stands with Paul. And Barnabas doing that went a long way to where Paul's journey goes. And so we need those kinds of friends that are closer than a brother, that even when people are against us or people don't understand where we're at, there's somebody in our corner who's got our back. And Paul, and Paul ends up leading these missionary journeys, and Barnabas is there supporting him and encouraging him. And I think it's a great picture of what a godly friend looks like. Um, we can keep going. Uh, Proverbs 27.17 Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Believe that God has given us friends to be a tool in our lives to help shape and mold us more and more into the image of Christ. 
that this life is a pursuit to look more like Jesus. And God has given us people, one of them being friends, to be an iron that sharpens iron in our lives. And so that is one of the purposes of friends, to be that tool that God can use. Proverbs 13, 20, uh, that whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. So here's a question. When you need advice, who do you go to? Who's that person or people that you go to? Are they wise? Maybe here's another way of putting it. Do you go to somebody who you know is just going to tell you what you want to hear? The advice that they're going to give is just whatever you're feeding them. Or do you go to somebody who you know loves the Lord and that they're going to tell you what you need to hear? Not what you want to hear, what you need to hear. Pointing you towards Jesus. Because that's the kind of friends that we need to have. To say the hard thing that might uh, grind against me a little bit, but that's that's how iron sharpens iron, isn't it? It grinds, it, it bends a little, it hurts a little, but it's good. So whoever walks with the wise will become wise. The longer, the more often that we spend time with people who know the word and, and point us more and more to Christ, the more that we're going to become in that same way, like Christ. And will, in turn, be somebody who others can come to for advice and get real godly wisdom. Um, I want to jump out of Proverbs for just a moment, because uh, I love the way that Hebrews 3 makes this point. Hebrews 3, 12-13 says, Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you, sorry, lest there be in any of you, evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hindered, or sorry, hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So we need friends to be somebody who's willing to get between us and sin. That when our heart is being pulled towards something, and they see it, but they can call it out, and they can be somebody who's there as someone who can help pull us accountable to the things that that we're tempted towards, the things that want to deceive us and pull us away from God, the things that are going to lead us to having an unbelieving heart. We need people who love us enough to say, what I see you doing doesn't look the way that I think Jesus calls us to live. And let me tell you, that can be a very difficult conversation. Part of that is difficult because, I don't know about you, but I have a fear of losing friendships over conversations like that. That if I say a hard thing, that that friend won't want to be my friend anymore. And if I value friendship, then how can I risk that? But here's the reality. A real friend, if you do it in love, will know the love that it comes from. They know the quality of who you are and why you're coming to them. And even if they don't agree with you at first, or even if it hurts them at first, it's worth it. Because if I love somebody, I want them to look like Christ. And so I, they have to know. And if no one's willing to tell them, then I want it to be me. And that's hard. But if you do, God can use you to help point somebody and move them away from the sin that they're, that they're pulled towards back to Christ. And that's a real friend. Real friends tell the truth even when it hurts. 
You do it in love, but it matters. So all of that summarized to say this, what I believe the purpose of friendship to be is somebody who's who's going to walk alongside you towards maturity in Christ. And so the question I would ask is this, do we look at friendships as a partner in that journey toward maturity in Christ? Is that how I view my friendships? As people that are partnering with me and that I'm partnering with them in the journey, a lifelong journey towards Jesus. I believe that that's what Scripture says we are supposed to look for in friends. I want to put it another way, and this is maybe an image to help me. Hopefully it'll help you. Um, Are you friends with people who help or hinder your growth in Christ? So up on the top there is a picture of me and my friend Jonathan. Um, We were on, at this point, a kayaking trip with our high school youth group. It was like a leadership retreat thing that we did. Um, We were kayaking. Who here has been kayaking before? Oh, a lot of people. Nice. How many of you have done the tandem kayak, where it's two of you in one one boat? A lot of people. Okay, so then you know, for those of you who don't, but I'll show you know that it's really important if you're going to be tandem together in one kayak with somebody, you got to have a lot of communication. you got to have good chemistry. you got to know each other, and you got to understand your roles within the boat. Right? The guy, in our scenario at least, uh, I don't know if every kayak is like this, but in our kayak, uh, Jonathan in the back, he had little feet rudders to help uh, guide us and direct us. And so Jonathan has a majority of the control when it comes to what direction we're going. The guy in the front, which was me, really sets the pace and has the best view of any oncoming rocks or icebergs. And so you... Too soon? Wait. So, as, as we're going, it matters that I'm communicating, that, he's, that I'm trusting that he's going to help direct us and that we're paddling together and that he's following those strokes. And if you do, here's the thing. A tandem kayak can go faster and farther than any single kayak can go. However, a tandem kayak can also go much slower and not nearly as far as a single kayak. It all depends on who's in the boat with you. And so here's the question. In this journey of life, is the person in your kayak somebody who helps or hinders your growth in Christ? Are they somebody who's working with you, alongside you, to help you to paddle faster and farther than you ever could on your own to become more and more like Jesus? Or are you struggling just to get any forward motion with your friends, in the, in, at least in the sense of becoming more like Jesus? This, I think, begs the question. Should I only be friends with Christians then? Because you're saying that the purpose is to look more like Christ, the people who are going to partner with you in maturity. So then I should probably be friends with only Christians, right? That would make a whole lot of sense. Well, let's slow down for just a second, because I don't think that this means that we're not friends with any non-Christians, right? Jesus was called a friend of sinners. Okay, how does this work? I think it works like this. We should be friends with both believers and unbelievers. But, as this passage shows, it's important that those who have the biggest influence on us are Christians. 
So to, to keep using the, the kayaking analogy, the person in the boat with us, the, per, the people who we put in our kayak or raft or whatever you like better, the people that we put into the boat with us, they have to be believers. However, we should be paddling alongside many unbelievers so that they, both we can be a light to them and that we can show them the love of Jesus and share with them the love of Jesus. We should be building relationships with people who are believers and unbelievers. But those who are in our inner circle, the ones that we have the most, uh, that have the most influence over us, the ones who we go to for advice, the ones who are walking alongside us in life, those people, they have to be believers. Because there's a reality that we become like those that we spend the most time with. Alright, so let me give you a couple examples of this. You ever notice that like little kids look a lot like their parents? They're like little mini versions of their parents. Because they spend the majority of their time around their parents. And sometimes they say things that their parents said that they didn't want them to repeat. And they, you know, there's a lot of that kind of stuff. So, but they look a lot and sound a lot like their parents. Then, as they get into middle school and high school, they start to look a lot like their friends, right? They start to grow out awesome hair that swooshes across. They start to wear things in your life that you never wore before, and there's lingo that comes out of their mouths that you've never heard before because they're in this circle. Their friends have a major impact on who they are and what they like and what they do. And then, for many of us, if you get married, you become a lot like your spouse. You start to eat a lot of things that you never ate before. I... There's a lot of things that are green that you can eat. And I didn't know that until I got married. And you start to do activities together that you never did before. Right? And you start to become more and more like the person or people that you spend the most time with. And so it matters. It matters because this is true. Those who we devote the most time to, we will look the most like. So, who do you give? It's kind of a stewardship thing. I only have so much time in a day, in a week, in a month, in a year. How much am I giving to specific people? And you really thought through how you give that time to different people and what that's going to mean and how it reflects back on you and who you are becoming. So here's a couple of warnings that we see in the book of Proverbs. 22 uh, verses 24 through 25 says, Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with the wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and get entangled and entangle yourself in a snare. We should have it says make no friends with angry people. This is somebody who's given over to anger. It doesn't mean somebody who who is angry sometimes. This is somebody who is given over to anger. That we shouldn't we shouldn't make them the person in our boat. Because guess what's gonna happen? If this person is in my kayak with me, I'm going to become more and more angry because everything that they say, they just respond in anger. Everything frustrates them. Everything makes them angry. Guess what? You start to go, that is frustrating. That does make me angry. And you start to become more and more angry. Proverbs 20.19 Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, therefore do not associate with a simple babbler. Don't, don't associate with them. I would also encourage you not to call your friend a simple battler. It doesn't go well. But we should not spend our time with people we know are gossiping and slandering because guess what? It becomes easier and easier to start gossiping with them, to start slandering alongside them. 
We are going to become like our friends, so, so stay away. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't paddle alongside somebody who struggles with anger, somebody who struggles with gossip, but it does mean that they don't get to be in the boat with me. Does that make sense? 1 Corinthians 15 says it this way, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. The way that I like to think about this is, is simply this. It is easier to get pulled down than it is to pull somebody up. This doesn't mean that my good company can't correct some bad morals. It can. But you are risking a lot by putting yourself in a position where you're, you're going to be the savior of your friend group. We need to understand that it is easier for bad company to ruin good morals. Again, we should enter into spaces with people who have bad morals to show them the light of Christ. But those who I spend the most time with, they should be people who reflect the good morals, the quality of character of Christ, that I might have the ability to shine a light in dark places. Second Thessalonians, this is one where Paul is writing a letter to the Thessalonians, and this is speaking specifically of people in the church. And it says, As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him, that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. Paul says to this church that's kind of struggling, needs some encouragement, he says, to those of you who are doing good, don't weary in doing good, first of all. Like, keep it up. Keep fighting for the good that you're doing. However, take note of the people who are not following what we're talking about in this letter. Okay, so scripture. People who are not following the word of God, take note, even within the church, of people who just aren't living out the word, and, and, and separate yourself. Give yourself a gap. Because I want to grow, and I want to connect myself with people who are looking more like Christ. However, you don't do this, you don't treat them like they're an enemy. Treat them like a brother and warn them. Tell them, right? That's what we talked about earlier, that conversation where, it's, where I see that you're, that you're moving in this way and it doesn't look like Christ. And, and so I need to tell you that. We love them as a brother and in the hopes that they will repent and turn and that they can be brought back into that close-knit of friendship. However, we have to, we have to know how to put people into the right places in terms of the time that we give them and the effort that we put in. Loving them, coming to them, warning them, but knowing how to separate ourselves so that we aren't sucked into the same uh, force that they're going. So, I want to put it this way. If you became exactly like your friends, would you look more or less like Jesus? If today you became exactly like your best friend, would you look more or less like Jesus? Now, I'm not saying that your friends or you have to be perfect. We are pursuing the perfect one. Doesn't mean that I'm perfect. However, are my friends helping me to grow, to look more like Jesus? 
I want to give you one more biblical example and, and kind of a comparison. And we don't have time to go through their full stories, but I just want to share with you one aspect of both of these friendships as a comparison. So David, who was king of Israel, and Jonathan, who was the son of Saul, who was king of Israel. So David, sorry, Jonathan should have been king. He was the next in line after Saul. However, God anoints David to be king. Now, in most situations, if you've ever been in this situation, you would know that if you're next in line to be king, and then somebody else becomes anointed, that seems like a time where you'd be frustrated with that person, where you would not be friends with that person, right? That's not how Jonathan responds. Scripture tells us that Jonathan loved David. And he even blesses and he gives David his armor as a symbol of, like, you, it's you, man, I'm behind you, I'm... And his dad, Saul, even tries to kill David, and yet Jonathan loves him. And so even when things go well for you, in despite or in spite of one of your friends, are your friends happy for you? Do they have your back? Do they support you? Or we see in the book of Job that Job is somebody who has a lot of success. He's got a great family, he's got a lot of money, he's got a lot of land. Life's good, until a bunch of terrible things hit him. He loses all of his kids, he loses most of his money, and his, even his body is struck with oils and disease. And then his friends come. And unfortunately for Job, he didn't have like a Jonathan and a Josh where they came and were there for me. No, Job's friends come and say, this is your fault. Because this is a punishment for sin. Clearly, you've got a lot of sin. Because God is punishing you very bad. So this is on you. So when I look at their friendship, I see fair-weather friends. I see people who wanted or enjoyed a guy when he was successful, when he had money, when it was when it was going well, it was great to be friends with him. But not when it was bad. They didn't have his back. They didn't. They weren't there for him when he was down. Job's friends could have learned from the. It's better to just be with the person than to try to speak in that moment. But instead, they they tried to share, and it wasn't truth. It wasn't rooted in what God's word said. So. As I describe those two examples, I get that they're a little bit extremes, but which one sounds more like your friends? Do you have friends who are there for you, like Jonathan? No matter what it means for them personally, they love you. They want to see the best for you. Or do you have friends like a Joe who are fair weather and, yeah, things are going well, they're with you, but they don't really point you towards God's word. They aren't really rooted in that. And so when tough things come, they don't have real wisdom. They don't have real hope to give you. They don't really back you. One more time. If you became like your friends, would you look more or less like Jesus? So I want to end with just two more thoughts. First one is this. We need friends. We need friends because God has given us people to encourage us, to comfort us, to challenge us, to exhort us, and to remind us that Jesus is better. 
and whatever temptation or sin that we're pulled towards. We need friends. God has designed us to be in community and to have people who can love us this way. And so, the question is, when you think about your friend's character, does it look like these verses we've been talking about? Does this describe your friends? Are they pursuing these things? The last thing is this. I I don't want to end without saying this because we've spent a lot of time talking about the people that you are friends with, but I want to ask you a hard question. What kind of a friend are you? Am I the kind of friend who loves this way, who is there for people, who treats people well, who leads them towards Christ, who has wisdom rooted in God's word? Does this sound like you? If your friends became exactly like you, would they look more or less like Jesus? Again, you're not Jesus. You're not perfect. But are you pursuing the perfect one in a way that your friends would look more like Christ by being connected to you? And so I want to end with this thought. Will you, this week, this month, will you pursue having friends and being the kind of friend that partners in pursuit of maturity in Christ. This might mean difficult conversations. It might mean that you're reordering who's in what boat. But if it means that it's going to help you look more like Jesus and love people better, that's worth it. I want to pray. Before I do, we're going to go into a time now where worship team's going to come back and we're going to have offering. So I want to pray over our offering and just briefly mention that there's going to be buckets being passed, and that's a space where you can put your connect cards in or any offering that you want to give that way. There's also online and the app that you can mail it to if you want to do that way. But um, let me pray. Lord Jesus, uh, I want to thank you for friends. God, I want to thank you for the goofy times, the fun times, the crazy stories that many of us have. Lord, I want to thank you for friends and how you've given us them for times of adversity, for times that are difficult, for times where we need wisdom, for encouragement, when we just need somebody to love us. God, I thank you for friends. And God, I thank you that you are our friend, that Jesus, you call us your friends. We, I just, I often just feel like I don't deserve that kind of title to be a friend of yours, and yet you call me that. Thank you. I pray for all of us that we would be the kind of friends that reflect these proverbs, that are wise, that love people well, that encourage them and point them towards you, and that stand between them and sin. Lord, I also pray that, uh, God, we would have those kinds of friends. For those of us who feel like we don't have anybody like that, Lord, I pray for them right now that you would bring people into their lives that can love them well like this. And for those of us who have friends that need to move from our boat to the boat next to us, help us to know how to navigate that. And God, right now, as we take offering, I pray that you would help us to be generous givers and that you would use whatever is given, to glorify your name, to make it known 
both in Scott County and around the world. We love you and praise you.